Welcome to the Dental Amigos podcast with Dr. Paul Goodman and attorney Rob Montgomery, taking you behind the scenes of the dental business world, all the things you didn't learn in dental school but wish you had. Rob is not a dentist and Paul is not a lawyer, but since Rob is a lawyer, we need to tell you that this podcast is for informational purposes only and shouldn't be considered legal advice. Listening to this podcast does not and will not create an attorney-client relationship. As is always the case, you should formally consult with legal counsel before proceeding with any legal matter. Learn more about The Dental Amigos at www.thedentalamigos.com. And now, here are The Dental Amigos. Hello, everyone. I'm Rob Montgomery, and I'm joined, as always, by the Dr. Nacho himself, Paul Goodman. Hey, Rob. Fun to be here. Good to have you here in uh, your dental lawyer headquarters, right? Yeah, the compound. Great Dental stuff. Amigos. Yeah. Uh, welcome to another episode of the Dental Amigos, and today we have a very special amigo in the house, Mr. John S. Cataldo. John is a certified public accountant who practices with his father, also named John, and his sister, Angelisa Cataldo, at the firm of Cataldo Financial and Consulting is located in the suburbs of Philadelphia, the home of the 2018 Super Bowl champion Eagles. Sorry, Paul. <laughs> Paul's a Giants <laughs> it's a, it's a fan who lives tough in Philadelphia, for those of you who yeah. don't. Once every 50 years that. is fine. The city's still going to have to recuperate for that long, so. <laughs> Spoken like a true Giants <laughs> fan. And uh, their firm focuses on representing dentists in a range of financial matters and tax consulting, which John uh, will tell you about. But today we're going to chat with John about what he and his firm are doing for their clients in the area of PPO participation consulting, uh, which I briefly chatted with him about a few weeks ago at a presentation we did together, and I thought it was really a very interesting topic. And uh, tell people, if you're listening still, which you should be, I promise we're not going to talk about taxes today. Right, John? I'm sorry, everybody. <laughs> now, uh, without further ado, here's Johnny. <laughs> I've been waiting to say that, Paul. Yeah. I like chance, it. Right? It's a good joke. Thanks, Rob. Well, Thank well welcome, Amigo, and uh, thanks uh, for being on the show today. Thank you so much for having, uh, for having me. Um, I think what you guys are doing with this podcast is so important, and I'm just happy to be here to help in any capacity that I can. Great. Well, we're glad to have you. Uh, so, John, if you can, uh, tell us a little bit about Cataldo Financial and Consulting and uh, what you guys do for dentists. Sure, so we are a business management and consulting firm located in Bucks County, Pennsylvania. We currently ser serve over 200 dentists nationwide. It's a three CPA practice consisting of myself, my sister Angelisa, my father John. Uh, we've been practicing uh, for over 30 years and we provide all the traditional accounting services such as financial statement preparation and tax planning and tax preparation, but what we specialize in is consulting engagements for dental practitioners. Okay. So what types of things are you talking about when you say consulting engagements? Sure. Staff payroll analysis, profit analysis, ratio analysis, insurance analysis, which we're going to talk about today, and basically anything, uh, cost-benefit analysis on purchasing a SEREC machine, any dental consulting engagement that you can think of. I'm pretty sure over the last 30 years it's been handled in our office. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And that's why I like working with, with you guys and with dental-specific CPAs who are really in the space. And I think a lot of people need to realize that there are different accountants that do different things. And if somebody says, hey, you know, I, I do a lot of tax returns for dentists, in my world, that doesn't make them somebody who's a dental CPA, so to speak. Sure, I mean, yeah. It's that business consulting that makes the difference. Dent dentists, you have a unique number of people, you know, sort of vendors that they deal with every day, I think, as, you know, as a dental practice owner. It's right. super helpful to have someone like that, you know, who knows the language, knows, you know, you know what a CEREC machine is, and it's a real asset to your clients. 
Absolutely, and uh, our goal is to just help our, our clients be as profitable as possible and operate their practices in the most efficient manner possible as well. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, again, it gets back to being purposeful, you know, and we talk about that a lot in, in our seminars and on the show, Paul, which I think, you know, it's doing things and knowing what the implications and the result and the, the ramifications will be of making certain decisions. You know, you just don't decide you're going to do something and find out, oh, gee, I'm really surprised I bought this practice. Yeah. I thought I was going to make more money or I bought into this practice and I'm making less money than I was making as an associate or, you know, what we're going to talk about today. I dropped this PPO and holy smokes, I can't believe I'm going to be laying people off. Right. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The right? dentists, dentists operate a lot more feelings than I think they want to admit. Absolutely. And that can happen. And it's also, you know, you know, you're really a lot of times running the business by yourself. Many of your clients are. So I think, you know, when they can rely on people who deal with dentists, that's just, that's just awesome. Right. And that's, that's the service that we try to provide for our clients. We want our clients to trust us. And, you know, dental practices do not need a full-time CFO. But our motto is that when you do need a CFO, we are there for you. I think in general in life, in any part of life, you can just have someone that you can ask, is this normal? You know, is this a normal thing outside of your own scope? Like, oh, dentists dentist know it's normal with clinical things. You know, is this, is this too sensitive? Is that normal? Is this crown working? But you just never get any of that training. And that's part of, you know, Rob and I's mission. So, you know, I, I, I do, uh, I, I have trouble following rules, so I'm going to buy it, Rob, <laughs> right, right initially. You know, uh, I want some free advice. So, I don't know, I have a bit of a nacho problem, you know. So, uh, I've been waiting to ask you, is there any way I can write off my nacho expenses on my own tax return? Paul, if they're, for, if they're being used in a business purpose, you can do so. Okay, I, pre okay. I appreciate that. Yeah. It may be a legitimate business <laughs> yeah, yeah, purpose yeah, yeah, in your, yeah, in your yeah, case. Yeah, yeah, right you, now, you I know. You yeah. dentist who's yeah, yeah. entirely synonymous with nachos. Yeah, yeah, yeah thanks. This is where this is worth it. So, well, that was the only tax thing we'll talk about. But, you know, as, as a person myself, and, you know, as our listeners know, I'm part of two practices. One is mainly fee-for-service. Uh, sure. Another one's PPO-based. Uh, so this is a great topic. I'm interested to hear what you have to say. Just, you know, what are some changes that you see in the dental insurance world for your clients? I mean, it's great your dad has been part of this world for a long time. So what are some of these changes that you guys see on the accounting end? Absolutely. So 30 years ago, my father first opened the practice. Most dental practices were fee-for-service. Dental insurance was very rare. So fees were dictated by industry average and market prices. Nowadays, the dental community has, has significantly changed, okay, um, with the presence of DSOs and corporate dentistry and an increase in participation with insurance. Um, basically, insurance has become part of an employee compensation package, okay? So with the presence of dental insurance, the more participation can, comes more power with the insurance companies. So what we're seeing with our dental practices now is a much more, is, is much more dental insurance participation as opposed to the past where it was all fee-for-service. In general, like uh, practices that maybe, let's say, have been in business that you may be working with for a long time, uh, what are some of the pressures they face to feel like they want to sign up for a PPO and feel free to kind of start to right. weave in some of the ways you guys analyze this for clients? Sure. Well, the decision to add or drop a PPO should never be an emotional decision. That, that should be said first, okay? And the, the overall sentiment that I'm getting from clients recently is that, you know, they're feeling that their success and their ability to add patients and their ability to have a busy schedule is really dependent upon whether they participate with insurance or whether they participate with insurance. And what we want to do from jump in this engagement is we want to instill confidence back into the dentist and establish a self-reliant attitude because dental practice owners do have more control over their success than they think. And that's, that's very that's very important. So the first step, it's a, you know, I'm a big baseball guy, so I use baseball quotes right. and analogies as often as I can. And Yogi Berra uh, 
Hall of Fame catcher for the Yankees had a quote, baseball is 90% mental and the other half is physical. Yeah, that's great. Right. <laughs> you know? yeah, right. And I think what he meant by that is the mental side of the game and the, phys- and the physical side of the game are of equal importance. And the first step in tackling this issue is to get your, I, I call it get your mind right, but is to establish confidence and a self-reliant attitude. Right? You know, we talk about, um, you know, we have a f- four-step system to, you know, maximizing the efficiency of your practice and controlling your overhead, you know, establishing an organizational chart, establishing benchmarks, implementing policies and procedures, and then monitoring. And you have control over your overhead costs, and, you, and in turn, you can um, control the success of your practice. Um, but the overall complaints that I get in this issue are that I'm working crazy hours, um, I'm busy, I'm obtaining new clients, but there's not as much left over at the end of the day. My production levels are the same, but my collections are down. I think and I'm glad you brought that up because I always liken this to this in some of my posts. It's like, you know, it's just fitting for my 40-year-old exhausted dad life and always trying to be in shape. It's like exercising and eating well, but gaining a few pounds each year just becomes demoralizing after a while because you feel like you're putting in all this effort. Right. The results are different. If we could just sort it's of... a great analogy. <laughs> Thanks yeah, to you so because true. it's like... You know, that's you just, just demoralized. A lot of this is actually just, you know, the morale thing for the dentist. And I have a lot to say about dentist morale because, you know, dentists think, you know, it may, I'm just going to use arbitrary numbers. Whether you make $250,000 or $238,000 may not have a huge impact on your life, but it might have a huge impact about how you feel about your year. And I think that um, if we could dig into two examples, let's say I have an office and they have like a uh, plan, guacamole PPO, and they are going to reduce the fees. I come to you guys and I say, you know, what are you going to look at? Because I say, you know what, John and Katalas, I don't want to take this anymore. You know, they're paying me 20% less this year, which has happened out there. Mm-hmm. How do you look at something like that and say, you know what, uh, Paul, even though you feel this way, it's a good idea. It's not a good idea. It's a great question too, Paul. And I think, you know, it kind of goes along with that too, with that, the mentality, which we were talking about earlier, which is people really kind of act emotionally with this stuff. It's easy to get angry with the insurance company. Right, right? yeah, right. Like, exactly. I, you know, I will show the man, you know. Yeah, like, yeah, but you know, it's I'm like not, getting mad at the, the Wizard this, right? of Oz, right? There's no one out right. there to even get mad at, you know. So, right. you know, it's, it's, you know it's, it's, it's not a, there's not a person to even take this. So would you, what, what are things that you guys analyze in something like that? Right, well, the first thing, I want to talk about the perspective of this, right? So dental insurance, it's in the best interest of the employer to provide a benefit that is useful to the employee. So I want to look at it, let's look at it from another perspective, okay? okay? So an employee, it is not in the best interest of an employer to provide a a benefit of dental insurance where they are prohibited from going to a dentist that they like and trust, right? So dental insurance, unlike other insurances, there are out-of-network benefits available, all right? So I just want to mention that because I think looking at it from the other perspective is important. Okay, and in terms of like metrics and, you know, you feel like, you know, our, our clients come to us and they say, you know, or someone engages us for this and says, I, I know there's an issue. I know I'm working too hard and I'm not seeing enough net. There's not enough left over. I don't know why. A metric that we use, and this is generally speaking for GP practices, is that if your percent of collections to production is 80% or less, then you want to start looking into your PPO participation. So that's the metric. That's I the like general that metric and that we use. personally to me. So I like that. And I think that's good. How about, and you know, like let's say, now let's just use a different example. It's an insurance I've never taken before, and I'm thinking about taking it. You know, let's just call it, I don't know, like uh, salsa PPO, right? They, sure. If this happens to dentists, you get all these things in the mail, sign up for our PPO. 
sure. Is there any general metrics I could look at? Let's just say I have a service for $1,000, and then the Salsa PPO says we're going to pay six ninety dollars for that $1,000 service. Does that affect the decision to participate absolutely at all? does so what we do for what, what we what you want to do is you want to calculate your overhead per hour okay that's critically important to this analysis what we do is we create a spreadsheet that is unique to each individual client top 15 to 20 procedures okay and based on your overhead per hour and some other factors and the fee schedule allowances you can calculate your profit and loss per procedure okay which will assist in making a determination of whether you should add the PPO or drop the PPO, okay? Gotcha. The, other, the other thing that is important to consider is you need to look at your practice as a whole. You need to look at how many patients you have per insurance carrier, okay, or per insurance provider, I'm sorry. You need to look at your percent of collections and production per insurance uh, because the decision is not as simple as, you know, their fee schedule is better than the other insurance that I participate in, I need to add that PPO because the general rule is, the more PPOs that you participate in, your average fee, your, the average of your fees declines, okay? And the gap between production and collections grows. I like you saying that. You're, so so I, you, you said something. I've said, if you go back on the, the dental notches thread, I'm sure you spend your free time with just reading oh, you know all it. Paul Goodman rants from, you know, you know, we're almost up on a year anniversary at dental notches. It's a big, big, time, big month. But I, I talked about this insurance gap a lot because I, don't th I think it's caught Dennis by surprise because I think one of the reasons I was just thinking while you're talking was great info is, you know, your dad or my dad's generation, it was always good to have more patients. Maybe, I don't know, Rob has a successful law practice. You know, I, I don't know if it's always good to have more clients or not, but you probably really can't even relate because you have fees and you think, well, I get more clients, they're going to be fees. Or you guys can't relate. If you right. get more clients, these fees. So probably when the insurances were closer to the list fee, it was just good to have more patients no matter what. But it's like now, it's like, would you like more friends? Yes. Uh, would you like more annoying friends? No, right? <laughs> yeah. And that's some of these PPOs. So it's like pay dentists are hurting themselves because they have this mantra, I want more patients. But if they're patients that cost them money, they're not good patients to have, much like the annoying friend. And I think this insurance gap is becoming a huge problem that most dentists aged over 50 don't even understand. Right. But I'm right in the middle where I see like, man, our, our, our fee for this is, is I'm just gonna use an example of $200. This insurance is only going to is going to limit to one hundred and fourteen dollars. That's that's like 50, you'll see fifty percent gaps in there. Right. And you'd, you'd either have to change your entire business model to be an office that could do that, and most dentists can't do that midstream in their career, mm -hmm. or not take these plans. But then sometimes your volume, like we we're talking about, you know, the volume. You know, when dentists drop a plan, they say maybe I'll work. You know less, but who that will affect their team as well. Maybe you could talk about the staff or team. Absolutely. Level. So. Dropping a PPO, we, we already touched upon this, should never be an emotional decision, okay? Oh my God, I'm seeing that I have write-offs per every procedure, I need to drop it, I need to drop it. That's not the case. Um, because the PPO, even though you may be discounting a substantial amount of fees, contributes to your overall overhead. So you have rent to pay, you have staff to pay. If you just drop a PPO and you lose that percentage of patients, it's going to impact your ability to pay your staff and to pay your rent. You know, so you cannot just drop a PPO without an analysis done on how the, on the potential impact if you lose the patient. So furthermore, so when you go, this this kind of segues me to the first drop. So you know, the first drop of a participation in insurance is a big decision to make. And what we advise is to never drop your first insurance uh, 
participation if it comprises more than 15% of your patient base. It's cash flow, right? I mean, at a certain point, you have exactly. to have it. Even yeah. if it's not profitable, cash flow is yeah. cash flow. When you decide yeah. to drop a PPO, it is very likely and you're going to lose patients. But the manner in which you lose the patients, you do have control over. And there are things that you can do to, to, to neutralize the loss. So what I mean by that is, Paul, if you drop the insurance carrier tomorrow or an insurance provider tomorrow, Okay. If you lost 15% of your patient base tomorrow, that would hurt very badly. But if you lost 15% of your patient base over five years while improving other areas of your practice, you may be better off for it in the long run. It's, it's, you know, it's what type of dentist you want to do, what type of life you want to have. And right. It's, you know, this is, you know, having someone like you contribute this is just awesome for our listeners and dentists. It's something I struggle with because what happens too is I think the insurance... See, we don't know our doctors very well. We really don't. I mean, you know, it's, they're, they're good at what they do, but we don't have super, I don't know, like you don't, you don't super high relationships with them, but your dentist, they know well, right? So when we right. change status with a plan, like I would be like, I don't want to lose Rob Montgomery. But like, so it was actually an emotional thing. I don't want to lose Rob Montgomery and his family. They've been coming here for eight years. Mm -hmm. But when I think about it and, and what Rob and his family as patients might not realize is, they're not being particularly nice to me because they're coming in and only paying 57% of their fee. This is a hypothetical story. Yeah, yeah, hypothetical. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my father's you know, very nice to the guy. Yeah, yeah, no, like, no, like you, you're, you're, you're <laughs> unintentionally, you, you don't even know. That's part of the problem. Right. I mean, this is a whole other conversation about the, not conversation about the pro fee exam and, and x-ray fee should not be free to the patient because what happens is a lot of these plans have no patient responsibility for the cleanings. Mm -hmm. Most people come for cleaning, so they think they come in and out of this dental office for nothing. I know it's not really for nothing, but when we when we right. think of doing this, you know, you think, oh, I don't want to lose these families that have been coming for all these years, but it's a struggle because they could be impacting your bottom line and making you work harder for, for less money each year. So right. I think, you know, when you guys look at that 20%, is, is that is 20% when you should start to be concerned? with well, an insurance plan? Collections to production. Yeah, over yeah, 20%. That's when you want to take a look into the issue. And echoing off of what you're saying, patient loyalty does exist. You know, I'm a patient. And uh, I recently, you know, around Thanksgiving, I had, a, I had an issue. And my dentist took me in and I told her, I said, please do whatever you can do. I need to be able to eat and watch football on Thanksgiving <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Day. Priorities, and, right? And, you know, yeah, yeah. she took care of me. And I have to tell you, I have loyalty to my dentist because she took extra care with me. And I do believe that there is some level of patient loyalty. The other thing that I, I touched upon earlier is going back to the employer side, looking at it from a different perspective. It is in the best interest of employers to provide a benefit that is useful to their employees. Dental insurance is a benefit to an employee. You know, like I already said, if it prohibits them from using a dentist that they like and trust, the benefit's no good. I'm curious because I think that's great. And I do the medical insurance plan for our own office and I deal with this as we make decisions. But this has happened in our offices when we've changed status with plans. Right. And I've asked the people to talk to their HR person about this to say that their their choices are limited. And have you gotten any feedback from an actual patient going back to their their own? Because that was a difficult thing for us. We right. had big companies. And those HR people are sometimes like the man behind the curtain. And it's hard to say, hey, we're upset we can't go to the Goodmans. And they usually will say, well, look at this book. There's like 10 other dentists you can go to. And I'm not, I'm not you know, what your message is great. Right. I'm just curious if how we could help our patients maybe be more proactive for themselves. That's absolutely a great question. And one thing, you know, one part of our due diligence checklist when 
thinking about dropping participation in PPO is to look at the out-of-network benefits. So what I would advise is from, for any dental practice owner who meets with a patient that you're thinking about dropping their plan is to ask them to go to the HR department and say, hey, I need further clarification on my out-of-network benefits. You know, uh, you know, I really care and I trust this dentist and I feel like, you know, if he drops this insurance, I'm not going to be able to go for him. And the ultimate goal here is the highest level of care. You know, it's patient care. That's what this is all about. And, you know, if the patient, the employee feels like they have to go to a dentist, that they won't get the quality of care that they get from their current dental practice owner, that's a problem. So I would advise dental practice owners that if they're considering dropping a PPO, um, you know, to speak with a patient that they trust that participates in that particular insurance to explain their concerns to their employer. And, 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 and generally, too, I think, you know, you know, it's part of the plan, you know, the strategy for how you're going to notify people, right? I mean, train yeah. your staff. Right. Do you send a letter? Maybe, maybe not. But I think it sounds like you should probably do that with all the patients that are in that insurance that are participating or have that insurance. So we, we, had, we had an in-person in conversation with almost every person because we didn't drop any of the, we didn't change status. I'm a big word person, right? You say, I drop, sounds bad, we changed status. But uh, we had an in-person conversation with everybody for the preview of their next six months, right. which was helpful. At least it helpful in them understanding face-to-face with us. Right. You can't get everybody. Some people say, how come you didn't send me a letter? But the problem with sending letters is, uh, which is, you brought up a good point, you send a letter, people think they can't go to you. And they, and they just leave, they don't even say anything because they have this misconception they don't have out-of-network benefits. And I mean, it's tough on patients too, because you, you've gotten involved in you know, the rabbit holes of your own medical insurance or dental insurance, and it's not an easy thing for them. So the, the world of being in network is, is powerful, that word. And sometimes when you're not in network, patients just, right. it's, it's to their disadvantage. So we'll call them up and say, you can still come to us. Like, oh, oh you can, we can? I'm like, yeah, you have out-of-network benefits. So I would totally assume that that meant you know, I have to go find another right. dentist. You would think that, somebody right. somebody sat me down and explained it to me. So, right. right. So that's very interesting. Like, you know, that's why our field as dentist is just so different because people choose you as an accountant, choose you as an attorney. This isn't really part of the, even the conversation. Uh, I'm sure you have your own business challenges getting new people, but this insurance has just inserted itself and almost causes patients and dentists to fight. It's really sad, actually. Right. Not, not, in a, not in an aggressive way, but in a, in, a, in a, like you're breaking up with a friend type of way. Because if you say to someone, hey, and we had to do this, after all these years, we are changing status. Does that mean you? I can still go here? Yes. What does it mean? It means your patient portion is going to be more than what it was in network. You got to be honest, right? These t- offices that just dance around with words that aren't honest, I don't like, right? right. So your patient portion, more. is that going to be okay with you? We can find out. Um, they feel bad, the patient. I will tell you, they, there's something about it. It's just a very not positive conversation. So the insurances are they definitely are inserting themselves into the relationship. And, but they're the ones you can't get to, right? They're the ones right. who I said, you know, we had a big company here, you guys would know it if I mentioned it, that provides a, uh, an insurance plan with change status with. And I asked many of these people who are high level professionals to go to their HR person. They said they were gonna do it. They came back to me and they're like, I couldn't get to the person, right? Like they can never get to the, see we're small business owners. Mm-hmm. So if you, if you guys install a medical plan that everyone hates, they're gonna see you in the office be like, we hate this medical plan, right? right, right. And you have to change it, but you can't do this in some of these ones. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a real challenge, but I think what you're giving us in terms of these 20% differences, or at least things that, oh, I'm, I wanna say another thing, at least go back and see the pie chart of where your insurances are. 
That's See that percentage. important. It's really you need important. To know, you need to know your patients and your practice. You need to know what percentage of patients participate with what insurances and what your percentage of collections and production is per insurance provider. That is so critical to the analysis. The other part of the analysis is you need to look at your, fee schedule, your fees versus the discounted fees and then calculate your top 15 to 20 procedures, your profit and loss per procedure. Okay, so important. And then going back on what you just said, writing a letter uh, to your patients that you have decided to no longer participate in a plan is absolutely something that I would not suggest doing. Do not do that. Bring the patients in face to face. You want to explain that you do not want to compromise the quality of your care for the fees. Your, your number one concern is patient care and the quality of your services and that you feel, you know, that if you make this decision, it's a decision that is for, that what you believe is for best for the patient's uh, care and for your practice. Let's and, talk about that from a timing standpoint, though. How does that work? You know, like right. people aren't going to come in for a meeting with their dentist, right. right, if they don't have an appointment. And what if somebody's, generally speaking, I think most people probably would make the decision to terminate a plan in whatever, 30, 60, maybe 90 days. So there are probably going to be a lot of people that aren't coming into the office during the time that you know that this change is going to occur. So how, practically it's, speaking, how, how would you right. advise so you going about that? It's each practice how you handle it. It depends on the percentage of patients that will be impacted by your decision. Um, if it's, a, you know, in my experience, the lesser, uh, if, it's, if it's a smaller portion of your patients, you can call and, you know, discuss with them or, or you just wait until their next appointment, and then you speak about with it face-to-face. -face. You explain that you will work with them on the out-of-network benefits and how to, the processing of the insurance may be different, but you can work with them on that. But you don't want them coming to the office thinking that their insurance is like no, it always right. was. No. And that, that, no. That'd so be, that'd be I, a nightmare. I can give you, can give no. you some, so, you know, since I'm out there on the mean, mean streets of dentistry, I'm in the <laughs> trenches, you know, I'm in the trenches every day. I always do this, we did this on the recall visit because it's a comm visit, right? So right. if someone comes over a filling or a crown, they're all, they're all worked up, right? So recall visit, comm visit, not before they go back. So we've had this thing, so we had it marked on the schedule. Because remember, there may be, let's say they are 20% of your patients, that's so two out of every 10 people. So eight people, you're just letting go, but we highlighted them and we had our person come down and have a face-to-face -face conversation as a heads up. Right. Not as if they couldn't come back again, but sometimes it was the next time you come in, we would because um, we didn't want to have that happen, Rob, where people would come in and say, no, you can't use your insurance. Right. Next time you come in, this is how it's going to be. We will look into it and see if it's a $200 service, you have to pay $30 out of pocket. We did that when people, I, have, I, have the, the, I think numbers matter to people. I mean, of course, numbers matter. There's an amount of money where it's like, if it's under a $50 charge for that person for their cleaning visit, I think a lot of them will stay with you mm -hmm. because the hassle of moving a dentist for that, but some of them are, were way over that. So on a $300 service, they could have gone from paying zero. They felt like they were paying zero, just so Rob understands, and I think he, he get, is like, the service is charged at $300, but the in-network insurance is limiting you to charge 200, okay? So you're now, right. so the patient thinks it's free because they don't have to pay anything, but they're getting a $100 coupon off the top, which they're not really aware of. Right? Absolutely, that's so when the they now issue. say, hey, what you said the relationship is yeah, kind of Say, strange. hey, these now cost $300, they, all they care about, which I understand, is like, what do I have to pay to keep coming here? If you say 50 or less for that visit, it's usually something they can handle. But sometimes we have to tell people you have to pay a, like $180 for different plans. I, mean, right. I, I know I use that $100 example. And that's a big deal if they have four people in their family. And, sure. and I didn't feel that. And it's all about choices. I mean, you says in our area, there's some good choices. Right. So people can move to them. And I, I, I'm a big fan of dentists all being good. And these are good dentists too. But sometimes I do tell people, and if this is good for the listeners, 
is that perhaps when I drop a PPO or change status, I'm just hot potatoing it over to you, John, the dentist, right? So here's what happens. You have this plan. It's not, they, change, they reduce the fees. Paul Goodman and his team say, we're not gonna be involved anymore. So they say, we're gonna go down the street. Okay, in our town, it's literally down the street. Guy's a great dentist, right? What's interesting is, does he want these people? Does he want these patients? Right. Because he was getting he was getting calls every day for new people, right? Right. But not new fee for service patients, not new people who moved to the area, new people that left the Goodmans to come to them. And since I have a friendship with this guy, he knows they're not leaving the Goodmans because they just decided all not to like us at the same time. So I kind of hot potato it down to him. So. Right. He may want a hot potato at somebody else eventually. So I do give people a heads up. I say, you should go to your employer because you should tell them that this is happening because you think it's okay to go down the street. What happens when the guy down the street drops it? Then what if there's the next guy? There's right. nobody well, down the street. Like so. you, you cleaned out your garage. I gotta have a garage sale. I could just dump all the stuff <laughs> right. in my neighbor's exactly. yard. Right. No, that's right. what I said to him. It's <laughs> so, easier you know, that way. That's, well, that what, you're, what you're getting into is the change in the dental landscape. I mean, that's, that's maybe, I, I wonder, right you know, now. what do you guys see as we, Kind of you know conclude certain things that what do you see over the next 10 years it's just an opening question of like right the insurance climate for dentists uh what do you see happening or what you know even in, even in doing this consulting work recently what what are some of the things you're seeing well based on our experience fee for service practices you know may are going to become more rare you know obviously the geographic the location of the practice will impact the mix of the participation with insurances but what we're seeing is an increase in participation, in insurance participation, uh, presence of dental service orga organizations, DSOs, and corporate dentistry, which are impacting. You know, the the issue that private practices, single owner practices, are having is that they don't have the negotiating power with insurance companies that the corporate dentists, the corporate, uh, the DSOs have. You know, so which dentists think is unfair, right? So right. a lot of dentists out there think that's unfair, but right. I don't think it's unfair because here's why. I'll bring it back to nachos, my favorite topic. If you own ten Mexican restaurants and you want to buy avocados, and one guy down the street with a stand wants to buy avocados, they're gonna give the guy with the ten restaurants a better price on those avocados. So it feels unfair, but and when when people say DSOs, it's a hot button word. But if you just say a large group of practices, their negotiating powers is is there and it's reasonable. Right, and there's actually companies that you know you can hire to negotiate fees for you. And that's another point that I wanted to make is that you know before you decide to drop a PPO, you, you obviously, you wanna take a chance to, to negotiate the fee. Um, many contracts explicitly state when and how you can negotiate fees and some dentists laugh and say, I don't have any chance. But you know, if you're informed and you know, uh, you know the proper data to go to the the relations manager at the insurance company. If you if you have if you go with the proper information, you may be able to negotiate your fees, and that's free money. I think that's really great info and super valuable to our listeners about being able to negotiate like that. And um, you know, as we wrap up, I just wanted to ask you, you know, if, if you're a new practice owner, even an existing practice owner, you know, what are some of your take-home points on how to manage insurance in this day and age? Right. So, as a new practice owner, I'm sure your concern number one is obtaining patients and participating in insurance will assist you in obtaining new patients. You just have to be careful because you have to understand that the more insurance that you participate in, the lower your average fee will be and the greater the gap between your production and collections will be. So you have to have an advisor that will advise you on at what point you're going too far with participation. That's the key. That's great. I mean, I think, you know, out here in this space and, you know, talk about other people who are 
negotiating PPOs for um, their clients. So, you know, I, I appreciate all that you've, you know, given to us and our listeners and, you know, being an amigo here, here today, John, you know, it's Thank been you so um, much. eye-opening for me. And, uh, you know, we'll have, have you back in, in the future to add to it and part of your team, because I think this is just a part of dentistry that we just don't learn enough about. And we definitely learn in dental school about it. And we don't have a opportunity to really source it. And when and we're in practice and in the trenches like me, I'm in the trenches, just in case you're wondering. And <laughs> I I'm, know it. I'm in the dental trenches. So uh, we appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. And just in closing, I would like to say before you engage in an analysis of whether you should participate or drop a PPO, you need to take a look at your practice, and your practice and its efficiency. You need to look at your overhead and your percentages because you may just be putting a Band-Aid on a deeper wound. You truly need to dive into your practice and understand that your overhead percentages are in line and you are maximizing your efficiency as a practice before you get into your insurance mix. Super important. That's cool. So, um, John, uh, how, uh, how can people find you? Our website is www.jpcatcpa.com. That is jpcatcpa.com. Okay, so here, here's an important question too. How do people differentiate between you and your father, who's also named John? So if they want to talk to to you, John, and not the other, we'll call him the other John. <laughs> yeah, right? the other John, I like that. He's yeah, not yeah. here, right? So <laughs> yeah. We can say whatever we want about yeah. him. How do they find, uh, how do they, in your office, how, how, do, how do people distinguish between you two? Well, first of all, I know what he would say, that he's the more handsome one, but I <laughs> right, disagree, yeah. That's not true, I know obviously. that. Um, and also, this is the, the trick. My email is johns at jpcatcpa.com. His email is John P. So I'm the son, he's the pair. Okay. So that usually works for our clients, and that's how they can distinguish between us. Plus, I, I do think I'm better looking. <laughs> well, there's, there's, there's no doubt about that. <laughs> you've you've set too low a bar for yourself. Though. <laughs> uh, thanks again for, uh, for coming on. It was a pleasure having you, John, and taking the time today. And I think really interesting stuff. And you know, it kind of goes back, Paul, to our theme, which is being purposeful about what you do. You know, don't just make rash decisions. Talk to advisors. Know what the ramifications are going to be before you make a totally. move. You know, yeah. Whether you're talking about getting uh, transitioning uh, out of a PPO, you're talking about buying into a practice, buying a practice, you know, know what the result is gonna be to the extent you can, as much as possible, before you make that decision. Yeah, plan is super important, so thanks again. We really appreciate it. Great. Thank you so much for having me. Great, thanks. Thanks for listening to another great podcast with The Dental Amigos. And don't forget to tune in next time to have the dental business demystified. If you're looking for more information about today's podcast, you can find it on thedentalamigos.com. If you're looking for Paul, you can find Paul at drpaulgoodman.com. And if you're looking for Rob, you can find him at yourdentallawyer.com. This podcast has been sponsored by Orange Line Media Group, helping dentists and other professionals create content people love. Find out how we can help you take your business to the next level at www.orangelinemg.com. Till next time.